Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. I filed the IVO and three days later... I um, was paying for formula for my one-year-old and my credit card was declined and I knew straight away that he had cancelled it. That's Amy. Sadly, her story is not a unique one in this country. In fact, financial abuse is believed to occur in up to 99% of all domestic violence cases. Today, we're going to look at what financial abuse looks like and what those experiencing it can do to help pull themselves out of a very vulnerable situation. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move. And we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Just a heads up that today's quickie topic might be triggering for some people. If you are suffering in a domestic violence situation, please call 1-800-RESPECT. And know that we are aware that this is one person's experience and the circumstances surrounding financial abuse can vary dramatically. When Amy realised she was the victim of financial abuse, her situation was already escalating. I'd already sat down with my lawyers and they had asked me, you know, what my financials were and I felt really stupid because I didn't really know about any of my financials and the look on my lawyer's face. I was like, oh, okay, perhaps I should know these things. It was sort of first probably flagged by my lawyers. Do you know he's taking out this much, this soft and blah, blah, blah. I had no idea. And then unfortunately when I had to get an IVO because of family violence, they sifted through some text messages and said, look, it's not just family violence, it's also financial abuse. He can't be controlling you like he is via these messages saying that he's going to cut off the credit card, he's going to stop the money and that type of thing. So it was pretty late in the piece. We'd been going through separation for about 12 months. What Amy didn't realise was that her husband had set her up from the very start way before they were married, to always have control of the money, including a contract that his parents made her sign when they bought their first house, saying the money they'd given them towards it would be repaid if they split and the house was sold. He was from quite a lot of money. I was from not a lot of money, and therefore he knew what he was doing and just to leave it up to him. So that was sort of the the scene he set and... When you're in love and young, you know, you believe that. So I trusted him. 
look, it didn't appear strict at the time. I had a credit card. That's all. I didn't have access to our internet banking, our savings, our home loan details. I didn't have access to any of that. If I was purchasing big purchases, I'm talking $100 plus, I was having to explain myself or ask beforehand. If I didn't justify it or I didn't have a good enough reason, it was probably more verbal, you know, that you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be spending that type of money. It wasn't too over the top because I knew not to do it. I knew to run everything past him first. And I also didn't know what he was doing, so he didn't have to justify any of his purchases. I also had no idea what, and I'm only finding out now, that there was quite large amounts being siphoned out of our redraw against our home loan and and things like that. We were gifted a large sum of money. His parents, they had said, you know, it's for your first home. While you're not married, we'll have a contract written up by our lawyers just to protect everyone. If you split and the house is sold, we'll get our money back. And I trusted everyone. Um, and signed that when I was about 20 years old. I didn't really, I should have consulted a lawyer. I should have consulted at least my parents. And when we got married, they said, look, you've chosen to spend the rest of your lives together. That contract is gone. We're tearing it up, null and void. So I didn't think anything of it until he filed court proceedings about a month ago. The contract reappeared and being significantly older now, I can see um, it was very open and it doesn't list an address. It doesn't list the fact it was for our first property. It There's no contract to say the contract is gone, the original contract is gone. So it's back and they're asking for their money back, probably on his behalf. I guess the biggest thing is that, okay, yes, I did know they were giving us that money. However, did I ever see it go into my account or our account? Did I see where it went? Nope. Despite having a great job earning her own money with substantial commission checks coming in regularly, Amy saw none of the cash and was restricted in what she could spend on herself. She says while no one ever picked up on the fact she was being financially controlled, her parents knew something wasn't quite right. Mum and Dad seemed to notice that I didn't spend money on myself that often. So they, for Christmas or birthday, would give, you know, it would be a present for the both of us. And it would be, for example, a $300 gift card to have a night out in the city or something like that. They tried to suggest, you know, don't just put this money away use it on yourself, do something for yourself or can we give you money towards, you know, a new handbag or something like that. They would try and make sure that I got that opportunity. I don't think they knew the extent. I don't think anyone knew. I don't think even I really knew. But they picked up on that side of things that that I didn't use money for myself. Amy's husband decided to leave her. And with that decision, you'd think that he'd also let go of some of the control he'd been holding over her. After all, it was his decision to go, leaving her behind with their two very young sons. But it was the opposite, and the behaviour escalated. So I filed the IVO, and three days later, I was paying for formula for my one-year-old, 
and my credit card was declined and I knew straight away that he had cancelled it. I knew that there was a joint account with $500 cash in it. So I quickly drove to the nearest ATM, put my card in the ATM and it declined my transaction and flagged up something on the, the screen of the ATM and the ATM ate my credit card. So it appears that all the accounts, the credit card was flagged as stolen and I lost access immediately to all funds. I didn't have anything. I had a little bit of cash that I managed to pay for the formula with, but I had nothing. Amy relied on the kindness of friends and family to get her through after she was cut off from all her finances. But paying for a home and bills as well as keeping her two young sons fed and clothed was proving tough. Her lawyers advised her to apply for child support, which takes some time to make its way through the system. But Amy says even then, after that was successful, he is still manipulating her. He had sold approximately $50,000 worth of our shares and kept that money as well that he, by the lawyers, had said he would give me part of. I didn't receive anything. About a month later, he deposited $1,500 into my account and just proceeded to drip feed me money, which is another form of financial abuse. Bernadette Redford is a financial counsellor for the Salvation Army's Money Care Service. She says for many women, when they've found themselves caught up in a financial abuse situation, they end up having to completely start over. It's very difficult and you always everything sort of in joint names. You virtually have to start again if you've escaped because you have to start again in your own name as an individual. But it's very difficult while somebody has joint accounts and, you know, like true joint accounts, so either can sign or either can take money out of the bank account to actually protect yourself because they could just clean out a bank account. If you do find yourself unable to leave because you don't have access to funds, there are people out there who can help guide you through what is going to be a very tough time, especially in the short term. Depends on what the immediate need is. You might present at Salvation Army with nothing. So it would be getting you some emergency relief, like maybe giving you some vouchers for petrol, giving you some food, and then probably getting the ball rolling on an application to Centrelink to get you some funding. So you've got a regular income. That's what you would do in the first instance. Financial abuse doesn't mean someone's living in poverty. Victims can be very well off and can be living very comfortable lives and still be under the control of someone who holds all the cards where it comes to the money. It can be subtle or overt, but in most cases it includes the concealing of information, limiting access to assets or withholding funds so that the victim is reliant on the abuser for their basic needs. It could go even further, like sabotaging the victim's ability to find or keep work by causing issues at their workplace or destroying the tools they need to do their job. Or in Amy's case, telling her that when she returned to work, their children were 100% her responsibility. So eventually, exhausted and constantly falling ill, she gave up her much-loved career. For the victim, it means they're left with no way out, no means with which to escape, forever under their abuser's control. Amy says she's a lot older and a lot wiser these days. And while it's been an uphill slog to get herself into a position looking even slightly like stability again, she's still fighting forward. Obviously, I've got wonderful family and friends that have helped out lots. But going from, you know, living a really comfortable life that I worked really hard for alongside him to having nothing because I was completely unprotected. 
you know, I loved him. I never thought he would do anything to hurt me or the boys, but he has. People change, situations change. I just think they're two separate things now. I think you can love someone and trust them, but you've also got to look out for yourself because you never know what's going to happen. I was a little bit naive and maybe a little bit immature thinking that I'll look after everything to do with the house and I'll work hard and earn the money, but you know, you, you control it and you look after that side of things. And I, I shouldn't have buried my head in the sand as much as I did. But the other thing is that as women, if we choose to have a family, our income stops and our careers stop, our super stops. And there's a period of time where we're not earning money. And ultimately, if you stay with your partner, I guess you're not that much worse off. But if something happens and you have to start again, you're significantly worse off. So I don't know, I've got a, I've got a goddaughter and I was saying to her mum the other day, when she's old enough, I'll be sitting her down and telling her to draw up a contract. You know, when she goes off to have babies, I hope she gets paid or I hope she can negotiate to get paid a wage from her husband because we give it up and there's no there's no reassurance that we're going to get back to that level in our careers. So that's how I look at things now, a little bit cold, I guess, and disconnected, but having been through it all, I think I would have done a few things differently now. You know, I still believe in love and I still believe in all that, but protect yourself, know what's going on, know what's going on with your money, keep something separate, let the other person know, but I'll never have joint finances with anyone ever again. That's all for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. This episode was produced by Melanie Tate with audio production by Ian Camilleri.